It's Wednesday, May the 4th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, America's Chief Justice confirms authenticity of leak and EU plans new sanctions for Russia. First, the world in brief. The Republican governor of Oklahoma signed a bill banning abortions after about six weeks of pregnancy. The signing came a day after a leaked draft opinion suggested that America's Supreme Court would strike down Roe v. Wade, the landmark ruling establishing abortion as a constitutional right. On Tuesday, John Roberts, the Chief Justice, confirmed the authenticity of a leaked draft opinion, but said the draft does, quote, not represent a decision by the court, nor, quote, the final position of any member. President Joe Biden and Democratic lawmakers said they will try to codify the right to an abortion. That has virtually no chance of passing in Congress, given the Senate filibuster. Meanwhile, Republicans trained their ire on the leaker. Mitch McConnell, the top-ranking Republican in the Senate, called the leak, quote, an attack on the independence of the court and a, quote, inappropriate pressure campaign to sway an outcome. Russian forces resumed shelling the Azovstal steelworks in Mariupol, although Vladimir Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said that 156 people were evacuated from the plant during a brief ceasefire. However, hundreds remain trapped. Four more evacuation corridors are planned for Wednesday. Meanwhile, Russian attacks in Donetsk, a city in the east, killed 21 civilians, according to the region's governor. The European Union announced plans to slap new sanctions on Russia, which will target oil producers, banks and, quote, disinformation actors. The sixth package of such measures will be presented to all 27 EU members on Wednesday for their approval. Earlier, Hungary said it would not support an embargo on Russian oil and gas, and Slovakia said it would seek an exemption from any EU-wide oil ban. Maharashtra's health department said that 25 people have died from suspected heat stroke in India's richest state this year, the highest death toll in six years. India and Pakistan are in the grip of an intense heat wave linked to climate change, with temperatures over 40 degrees Celsius in some areas. Power outages mean that even households which can afford air conditioning have little respite from the heat. A record 4.5 million Americans left their jobs in March, a sign that workers continued to have the upper hand in a tight labour market. The number of open positions, 11.5 million, also reached its highest point since record-keeping began. There were 1.92 jobs for each unemployed American. Labour shortages have pushed up wages. Elon Musk said that, under his ownership, commercial and government users might be charged a, quote, slight cost for Twitter. He said that it would remain free for, quote, casual users. Mr Musk also told Associates that he plans to return Twitter to the public markets a few years after he buys it and takes it private, according to the Wall Street Journal. Fact of the day. 600. The number of heatwave days India experienced in the decade to 2020. 
up from 413 in the decade to 1990. And correction. In last week's quiz answers, we incorrectly said that Queen Mary was the oldest child of Henry VIII. In fact, it was Henry, Duke of Cornwall, who died within weeks of his birth. Sorry. And now, here's today's agenda. The Fed is set for a jumbo rate rise. The last time the Federal Reserve raised interest rates by half a percentage point, Bill Clinton was in the White House, and the dot-com stock bubble had yet to burst. On Wednesday, seeking to rein in soaring inflation, the Fed is expected to raise rates again by half a point, twice the size of its normal increment. That is likely to be the first of several jumbo rate rises in the current cycle. At the same time, the Fed may announce the start of its programme to sell the bonds it acquired to keep the financial system well-oiled during the pandemic. The prospect of much tighter monetary policy has already taken a toll on the markets. The S&P 500 index of big American companies is down by nearly 15% so far this year. America's economic woes may have only just begun. Can Europe ditch Russian oil? Since Russia invaded Ukraine, the European Union is estimated to have paid Russia over 47 billion euros, 49 billion dollars, for oil and gas. On Wednesday, the bloc will attempt to reduce the size of future payments. Ambassadors from EU countries will meet to discuss a new sanctions package, which could include a ban on importing Russian oil. The ban has become more likely thanks to support from Germany, which has reduced its reliance on Russian oil since the war began, from 35% of imports to 12%. But not everyone is happy. Hungary and Slovakia, which rely more heavily than their neighbours on Russian oil, are strongly opposed. The ban will reportedly include exemptions to appease them, and the phase-out is likely to take place over months, rather than immediately. And Russian gas, which made up 40% of the EU's supply in 2021, looks likely to keep flowing for now. But even an oil ban would affect Europe's citizens. Robert Habeck, Germany's finance minister, has said the ban would, quote, come at a cost to Europeans, but that it's a cost most of them are willing to bear. The mood in Moscow at first glance, life in Moscow, Russia's capital, seems almost unchanged despite Russia's war against Ukraine and the sanctions and isolation that have come with it. But the mood is subdued. State propaganda claims that 81% of Russians are behind the war. The reality, however, is more complicated. The polls reflect a mixture of propaganda and fear. A group of independent sociologists suggests that as much as 90% of the population refuses to participate in political polling, 21% admitted to being scared to take part in surveys. Many, perhaps even most Russians, support President Vladimir Putin's quote, special military operation, but no one knows the exact proportion. Independent research by the London School of Economics 
put support for the war at about 53%. But many of those supporters, the study thinks, back the government line because challenging it is both dangerous and psychologically uncomfortable. Such are the consequences of decades of Mr Putin's authoritarian rule. India's biggest IPO gets underway. For all the buzz about startup dynamism in India, it is a state-owned 66-year-old behemoth that has excited investors in recent weeks. On Wednesday, applications to purchase shares in Life Insurance Corporation open to the public. LIC has around 300 million policyholders. The offering of just a 3.5% stake is enough to make its IPO India's largest ever by value. The government, which needs the money after the pandemic and is on a privatisation drive, is expected to rake in $2.7 billion. Analysts expect investors to benefit as well, pointing to the firm's growth potential. But not everyone is so enthralled. Some economists have called the privatisation a, quote, scandal, accusing the government of selling its stake at a, quote, deep discount. Recent history points to a dampener too. In India's previous biggest IPO in November, shares of Paytm, a much-hyped fintech firm, collapsed shortly after listing. Making concrete from recycled glass Construction relies on sand, which makes up 30% of concrete, the industry's main raw material. But supplies of commercial-grade sand, which is being gobbled up by builders faster than nature can replace it, are running low. Welcome news, therefore, comes from engineers in Singapore, who have developed a way to replace the sand with a relatively plentiful material, recycled glass. As described in the Journal of Building Engineering, they have 3D printed a bench made from a concrete mixture that incorporates crushed glass. The prototype is a squat affair. It stands just 40 centimetres tall, the result of extensive experimentation with different recipes. The engineer's mixture is nimble. It flows smoothly during printing, but once set, meets industry standards for strength and load bearing. Glass is 100% recyclable, so its use in 3D printing seems ideal for the circular economy. The result may be unattractive, but on its sturdy frame rests hopes for a more sustainable future in building. Daily Quiz Arboristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. What trophy is given to the winners of the annual rugby match between England and Scotland? Wednesday. Which musical written by Claude-Michel Schomburg and Alain Bublio, was based on the Puccini opera Madame Butterfly. Finally, 
Here's the quote of the day from Keith Haring, who was born on this day in 1958. Whatever you do, the only secret is to believe in it and satisfy yourself. Don't do it for anyone else. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 